it simply says this. It says, praise the Lord. That's a good place to start. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Somebody shout in. It says, praise him in his mighty firmament. Somebody shout in. Then the scripture says, praise him for. Somebody shout for. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to. Somebody shout according to. According to his excellent greatness. And then he says, praise him with. Somebody shout with. Say praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Somebody shout praise the Lord. I want you to notice this before you take your seat. I want you to notice this. He tells us where to praise him. He say, praise me in the sanctuary. All right. He tells us, praise me in my firmament. In other words, when you leave the sanctuary, God, so there is no place that you can go where he's not expecting praise. All right. Then he tells you what to praise him for. He said, praise me for my mighty acts. So anything I have done, am doing, have, have performed, are performing for you right now, I deserve pray for, praise for it. Are you following me? Then he tells you how to praise. He says, praise me according to my excellent greatness, which means that praise is going to be something you strive to be good at. Because we're never going to meet the excellency of his glory. So we're going to need the Holy Spirit to help us in our worship and our praise to God. Amen. And then he starts to give you a list of things to praise him with. Somebody shout with. He said, when you get ready to give me a praise, don't bring me an instrument that I have not ordained to give me. Because I'm telling you how to do it. I'm telling you how to pray. Praise me with these things. Amen. All right. Uh, so we're going to do, we're going to spend a little bit of time. I promised you last week, we're going to spend a little time discussing uh, discussing the things that happen within the context of a church service. So this new series that we're doing is called Uncomplicating. Uh, it call, it's called What Is That? Somebody shout, what is that? Shout, shout that out. Shout, what is that? You ever been in church service where you have had to ask, what in the world is that? What are they doing? What in the world is happening? This is a, so we're going to spend the next few weeks discussing things that happen within the church context, and I'll explain to you why we are uncomplicating the church. I want you to find three people and tell them we are uncomplicating church. Uncomplicating church. Uncomplicating church. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless you, and I thank you, and I honor you, God, for your power and your presence. I honor you for the word. Father, we honor you for your your ability to teach us beyond our ability to learn. Father, you'll put truth deep into a space that good preaching and good teaching can't send us to. So Holy Spirit, do your work on us that we might be transformed by the word of God, that we be renewed in our mind, that we might be inspired, lifted, and transformed in our spirit, man. And in this, Lord, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On your way to your seat, smile at somebody. Say, it's just church. It's just church. It's okay to smile. Uh, we, we contextually find ourselves historically in, a, in an interesting space. And you guys have been hearing me talk a lot about historical context and, and current context. 
because the way that I am spiritually gifted, I am spiritually gifted more than anything from a prophetic perspective, a bird's eye view. I'm, I'm more in line and able to tell you what's happening from a, a bird's eye view than I'm able to tell you what's happening on the ground. So from a higher perspective and from a bird's eye view, uh, I, am, I am noticing in the natural and in the spirit that transition is a challenge for us. A transition is a challenge for us. Whenever a person or a generation or a family begins to transition, whenever they begin to shift or begin to move, it becomes a challenge because it forces what has been earthed and what has taken root to now be unearthed and uprooted. That's not comfortable. That's not oftentimes fun. And sometimes it forces you to ask, well, what was wrong with the way I was planted? But nonetheless, as time goes on, everything must give way to something new every opportunity must give way to a new opportunity everything that is old has to give way to a new methodology or a new expression or a new whatever 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 everything has to give way to something new and it's critical it is critical that if you do not have a gift that allows you to evolve you will eventually die you will eventually die and one of the things that i've learned in in our study and in observation is that the church the church, the North American church, if it does not learn to evolve, it will die. It will cease to grow. Now, stay with me, because when I say the North American church, I'm not talking about God's church, because God's church is going to forever survive. He promised us that he would get behind his church, and in a form or fashion, his church will survive. But the North American church is, uh, is, is unique in its expression is unique in the way that it has propelled itself it is unique in what it celebrates that sometimes runs counterculture to the way that the bible teaches us about the church the church somebody shout church shout church the church is not where you go on Sundays. The church is not this building. You understand that. The church is not this, uh, it is not the structures that we build. It's not the clergy that we put together. It's not the singing and the dancing and all this kind of stuff. When, when God thought about the church, he was not thinking about churches. He was thinking about a collective group of people that believe in God, that are blood washed, bought by the price that Jesus Christ paid. When he thought about the church, he thought about the people that would express his image and express his heart and express his methodology in the world and through the world. This was God's idea of the church. Now, stay with me now, because the church was unnecessary before sin. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before sin came, God expected everything to release this kind of praise to him in the world so that it could show his ideals, his methodology, his methods, and, it, and their behavior through Adam and Eve and all of their offspring would exhibit the grace and the glory of God in the world. When sin came into the world, God realized that there would be a group of people that would prefer to express their own desires in the earth define their own destiny create their own reason for being that is apart from God so God says that I'm going to build a people a group of people globally 
not just in your neighborhood, not just in our nation, not just in our country. But God says, I'm going to build a group of people globally that will be separate from those that are going to follow their own desire and will, but will be willing to stay connected to the reason why I brought man in the earth. And in order for them to do that, I'm going to have to anoint them. In order for them to do that, I'm going to have to make them be born again in the spirit by the spirit in order for them to do that they're going to have to have a unifying um, marker over their lives and that unified marker is going to be the blood of Jesus Christ he says and people that will accept that will be separated from the ones that have chosen not to to accept that watch what I just said he didn't say that they'll be separated from other good people that bad people will be on that side and good people will be on this side that's not what the scripture is teaching us the scripture is saying there's going to be good people on both sides but what defines the line is not who's good it's all about who has accepted what Jesus has done on the cross for us when we said I accept it you are now considered to be in God's church somebody shout church say that loud shout church it's critical so now now all of the stuff that you learned about you got to go to this church or you got to be a part of this denomination or you got to be a part of this group of people in order to be in the church is not heraldly it's not biblically found when God talks about his church, he is speaking about the collective group of people that said yes to the blood of Jesus, received forgiveness of their sins, and are in active relationship with God in an effort to express God's grace and his goodness in the earth every day of their life. We are the church. Consequently, the man up the street around the corner is a part of the church. And the man down the street around the corner is a part of the church. And the woman around the corner up the, up the road is a part of the church. And the person that doesn't talk in English is a part of the church. And the person who, who lives across the water is a part of the church. So long as they meet, watch this, this criteria of accepting Jesus Christ, you are considered a part of the church. Now, this is funny because the church will send a lot of people out out of the church because they don't understand what the church really is and that's critical that we get this so now if we get an understanding of the church then we'll get what God means when he says that I'm coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle he didn't say I'm coming back for Baptist folks I'm not he didn't say I'm coming back for Pentecostal folks he didn't say that I'm going to come back for people that speak in other tongues he didn't say I'm coming back for people that that hum uh, that sing hymns at church he didn't say I'm coming back for the Catholic he said I'm coming back for a person who doesn't have a spot or wrinkle and whatever you, your criteria for a spot or wrinkle is if it does not include the blood of Jesus Christ God ain't coming back for you because you're not considered the church are you following what I'm saying now watch what he says about the church he says I'm married to the church he says that I am the bridegroom I'm the groom and the church is my bride he says that I am in relationship with this global thing called the church this is our savior talking he looked at Peter one day and he asked Peter, what do you or who do you say that I, the son of God, am? Who do you think I am? And Peter said, I think you're the anointed one. I think you're Christ, the, the, the God who's going to save the world. I think that's who you are. And Jesus looked back at, G, at Peter and he told Peter, he says, flesh and blood did not give that to you. He said, 
in heaven gave that to you. Now, I want you to hear what he's trying to tell them. He said, a good preacher did not give that revelation to you. He says, watch this, good singing did not give that revelation to you. The fact that you went to church did not give that revelation to you. Your denominational slant did not give that revelation to you. Who gave that revelation to you is the Father who is in heaven. The ability for you to say that I am a sinner and I need the grace of God to cover me is not something that you derive on your own. It is a move of the spirit on your heart to make you one day look up and say that I need something more to put myself in proper relationship with God and I'm going to ask him to forgive me of my sin and I will dedicate my journey toward expressing the joy of the Lord throughout the days of my life. He said flesh and blood didn't give that to you but I want you to hear what he said to them he said in the conversation he kept talking he said and Peter upon this rock I'm going to build my church my uniform body of believers that believe in me I'm going to build them upon this rock he's talking about himself he's, he's he wasn't talking about Peter he's telling Peter that Peter I'm the rock that the church will stand on I'm the rock that the church will be anchored with. I'm the rock that the church, he said, the spirit is what helped you realize that you should say yes to me. And if you deter yourself, I don't care what church you go to. I don't care how you grew up. It doesn't matter me what, what, who you be watching on the internet and on TV to get close to God. God told Peter that on my shoulders, I'm going to hold on and carry my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that stands on me. Are you following what I'm saying? Somebody shout the church. Somebody shout the church. So now, the church now becomes an interesting space because it has to be rooted and it has to stand on and sit on the shoulders of the Christ. In order for that to be so, that means that you and I are going to have to uh, adopt what sitting on the shoulders of Christ looks like as opposed to sitting on the shoulders of the forefathers that birthed our denominations. I'm going to hurt y'all today, but we're going we're gonna to heal us today. Is that some of us have more to say about who created our denominations than about the God that created all of this. Uh, 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 is that, y'all all right with that this morning? That just, I just saw a bunch of people like, oh, that hurt, Pastor. Yeah, but so what happens now when God starts to operate and when he gets ready to express himself in the church, when God says that when we make our decisions as churches that we're going to sit on the rock of Jesus, then what we have to do is we have to be willing to accept what we have not accepted according to the word of God and be willing to release ourselves from what we have accepted that ain't in the word of God because we do church in a way that God never told us that we had to do church and there are some things that take place in the in the church particularly in North America there are some things that take place in the church that God is super pleased with and then there are things that take place in the church that cannot be found in any religious context in the history of this world and we take it because we like the pastor or we take it because we scared you that you're going to go to hell if you don't are y'all with me anybody grew up scared of God I grew up scared of God I was afraid of him I did not want I could not do him 
because he was going to strike me in the middle of the night because of the dreams I dreamt. I couldn't help that Kirsten was cute in the eighth grade and I would go to sleep with dreams. But the, so God is going to send me to hell for what I'm about to dream about. But he told me to like a girl. So I don't understand. So, you know, but, but the church had me so scared. We were so confused. You ever, you know, uh, we just find ourselves confused and lost and trying to do church because oftentimes church is not built upon Christ. It's built upon rules. All right, I'm going to help you in the balcony. I'm going to help you all in the balcony. It's built on rules. So what God says now and what happens now is we move into a turn of a generation and we're shifting into the turn of a century. And what starts to happen at the turn of any century and any, uh, is that as a generation emerges, they emerge with values that are oftentimes different than the values of the preceding generation. They have ideas about what families should look like and about what disciplined children should look like. They have different ideas about how they're going to recreate themselves. If you're watching now, baseball is at its all-time low in viewership. But, at, but in our parents' generation, it was at an all-time high in viewership. And this generation just values basketball more than it values baseball. And that doesn't make anybody right or wrong. There's a different value system. And it takes place in every institutionalized place within a community, within a culture. And what is happening in the body of Christ in the church is that there are things that the new generation that's emerging values very differently than an ancient generation or older generation values and they're start and they are beginning the dialogue and the conversation you're watching it in your politics right now you're not sure what you, you just think that you see mean people fussing back at one another it's not just me well some of them are me but it's not just a whole bunch of mean people fussing back and forth there are new ideas being brought to the table that are being challenged by old ideas and there are old ideas that need to be challenged and they need to be vetted and there are some of these new ideas we need to adopt but there are also some new ideas we need to not take and then there are some old ideas we need to keep on the table and there are some other old ideas we need to scrap off the table the church is not immune to this type of de developmental challenge and what you see in the body of Christ today is not that a world doesn't want to be spiritual a world has no the world has no problem with spirituality people are still chasing God they are just not coming to church to find him people still look at your movie the, the, the context of our generation tells us what's on the heart of people watch the kind of TV shows that are the most popular the kind of movies that are the most popular they oftentimes have to do with the afterlife or have to do with futuristic things majestical things of sorts that tells you where our heart is as a generation of people we are looking for spirituality but what we're not doing is we're not coming back into churches to get it done because the value system of which of the way that we have built churches particularly the last 25 years has not been built on the rock of Christ it's been built on the personality of, fa of fallible preachers alright I'm going to preach this thing whether y'all say amen or not because you will not leave my presence ignorant of the fact of what is happening in the body of Christ while God uses personality he intends to use you me our personality to get the gospel across the world he never intended on the success of your walk with him to be dictated by the success of your pastor's walk with him or your favorite evangelist or your favorite bishop or your favorite teacher are you following what I'm saying 
when the church stops being on the rock of Jesus and on the fallibility of man then there are going to be issues because God will shake up the life of every man in order to draw that man or woman closer to him and if your walk with God is dependent on the fallibility of a person's life that's going to get shook then your relationship with God will be shook when theirs get shook you better stay with me now now this is critical because because it starts to show that the idea of personality driven religion has faults it's showing that at the seams the way that the 21st century church in North America has been expressed is showing that the seams are falling apart the fabric isn't it interesting that that in most of your clothing that you're wearing right now, you're not going to develop a hole in the fabric. You're going to develop a tear in the seams. It's, it's interesting. You're not going. You're going to look up and you're going to be man, throw these socks away. It's not because there's a hole in the thick part of the. It's usually somewhere in the seam. Somebody that is a seamstress will come and they will cover, they'll know how to bring the seams back together. I want you to understand because they are able to look at that shirt and say, there's nothing wrong with this shirt. We just need to bring the seams back in. And there's nothing wrong with the church. There's nothing wrong with the word of God. But it is falling apart at the seam because just like your shirt, it is as tightly knit as the seams are. And what we have placed as the seams cannot keep together the power of the complexities of the lives that exist within the body of Christ. I'm going to help you. I promise you we're going somewhere. So this is important. Lives are too complicated for you to give it to some woman preaching every Sunday to help you and to heal you. Your life is too complicated for you to give it to one person because they got a little prophetic gift and now they can manipulate your money and manipulate your life. Your life is too complicated for that. And if you trust on that see the old writer said that he said something like uh, uh, I'm going to lean on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness in other words that when my life starts to fall apart the thing that's holding me together is not the fallibility of a good orator the thing that is holding me together is the infallibility of a God who is the thread that keeps me together Somebody shout the church. The church in North America. I want you to see how crazy this is because we have risen and are failing in the Christian church faster than any place on the planet earth in any time in history. You've got to forget. You've got, you cannot forget. The United States is only 300 years old, which is relatively a baby in the ideology of the history of the world. Israel is thousands of years old. Jordan is thousands of years old. Iran, Iraq, thousands of years old. These places are two, three millennia years old. Our experiment is 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 yet just a couple hundred to 300 years old this whole thing that we call the the United States so we have risen mightily fast and in our speed to to rise we have not put our church together with the right stuff to keep our churches full of people asking for more of God 
So what is happening in the body of Christ today is you're watching, you're not watching God fail and you're not watching the idea of church fail. You're watching the system by which we put together, man put together to draw men to Christ. That's failing. The Bible says that if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me, not having a pastor that can hoop and not having the lead singer that can sing. Those kinds of things will eventually show at the seams that our system is not fallible and we have to create a fallible system so if you create a fallible system the first thing that has to happen when you create a system is you have to help people understand what is expected within the system I want so 20 minutes or so I want to teach you about the way that the body of Christ operates the body of Christ somebody shout the body of Christ the Bible said the Bible calls us the body of Christ the head of the body of Christ is Jesus Christ somebody shout Jesus I want you to understand something when you're the head when you're the head of something you get to tell people underneath you what to do that's the reality of life that is the reality of life if you're the boss at your job you get to go and tell people what to do and if somebody doesn't want to do what you're the boss of you're not obligated to keep them in what you are the boss of because your greater obligation is to the thing that you have been placed in charge of not to the people working underneath it Oh, I'm going to help you all. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I want to talk to some people that are learning how to govern their lives, learning how to govern their journey, learning what to do it when they get elevated in jobs. When, when McDonald's hires you and make you the manager, your primary obligation is to the rules, the regulations, and the statutes of the organization that you're wearing on your chest, not to the people that serve you underneath. You treat them right, you honor them respectfully, but your job is to always point them to the manual because in the manual it tells us how this operation acts efficiently and how everybody gets what they want out of it and when people underneath you managers begin to operate in a way that I want to make the fries like this I want to make the nuggets more crispy I want to do this this way and I when you start doing that then you break up the order and you ruin the efficiency and then the drive-through get backed up Y'all so sadiddy ain't never worked at McDonald's in y'all life. But that's the way, that's the way things, that's the way things happen. Now, why is that important? Because in the church, it's the same concept. It is the concept that God is in charge of something. And he has given us managerial duties of how to operate in the church. And there are some things in this world that we are, in the church house, that we are accepting in the church that is going to backlog all of the people that want to get in the house of God because we are trying to give everybody their chance to prophesy and everybody their chance to shout and everybody their chance to dance and everybody their chance to, and we're trying to give everybody their opportunity to be gifted and we are missing the fact that there is a way that God expects his church to operate somebody shout there's a way shout there's a way there's a way we are not just following the heart of the master we also are following the method of the master and for the next few minutes I want to talk to you about praise somebody shout praise when we talk about uncomplicating the church, we are trying, we, one of the first premier things that happens when a person walks in the church that will make them scratch their head and say, what is that? It is the praise of the people in the church. When somebody walks in the church and they see you jumping and dancing and singing and they're not familiar with the culture of church, they will ask, what in the world is wrong with these crazy people? 
So I want to talk to you about praise. Somebody shout praise. There are eight words that is used in the Bible to discuss praise, particularly in the Old Testament. It is, uh, it is transliterated very differently in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, I want to talk to you about praise because we've got to get praise right in the house of God. Because amongst many things that God wants, he wants first and foremost his praise. I'm going to say that again. It is one of the first and primary things that God wants in this house, and not just in this house, out of his people, is praise. He wants praise before he wants service. He wants praise before he... Are y'all following me this morning? He wants praise before he wants you to give money. He wants praise before... God is insistent that the reason I created humanity is directed to humanity giving me praise. Everything in the earth gives God praise. Every Everything in the earth is obedient to God the way he told it to be obedient to God except for mankind mankind is the only thing that God created that fights God back it is the only thing that's created that tells God no when God tells the sun to shine the sun shines the Bible says when God tells the grass to yield fruit it yields fruit when God tells it to wither up and dry it withers up and dry everything created does what God tells it to do but this man that he created when he created this man he gave it a will and this will oftentimes gets to say that I want to do things my way and not God's way and the only problem with that is that you are a created thing not the creator I grew up in a yes ma'am no ma'am culture that's where I grew up some of you that are in this room now that may be a little bit elderly than me I still address you as yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir no sir that's just the way I grew up but I didn't come out of my mother's womb growing up saying yes sir no sir yes ma'am no ma'am I was taught that by the people that created me they taught me that the way that you will address your creator, y'all not talking back to me, the way that you will address your creator is with yes, sir, no, sir. I didn't get to be like, nah, hey, son, are you, how'd you have a good day? I, right. I didn't get to do that with my mom and dad. There was no such thing as, yep, nope, nah, that ain't my, it was yes, sir, no, sir. Did you have a good day? Yes, sir. Did you finish what I told you to do? Yes, sir. Did you finish what I told you to do? But yes, ma'am. That's the way we address, I didn't come out of the womb that way way and if by chance I gave them a reply that they did not tell me to give back they rejected the reply are y'all hearing what I'm saying I I have been in more than one occasion where did you do it no no what no ma'am <laughs> you know what sir oh, oh that's better see this is the way God operates when he is the creator of all the universe and the creator of your heart and your soul when God tells you that this is the way praise looks to me I want you to give me what I told you to give me because you didn't come into this world knowing how to praise me I had to tell you what praise looked like to me you don't get to get around your denominational churches and give me something back to me that I didn't tell you to give to me you don't get to come and say ha 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 this is praise God is like huh we was praising the Lord God is in heaven like you were no ma'am God is in heaven like pray that's not praise so I want to help you understand what praise is. I want you to see what praise is. I'm going to give you these eight words and I'm going to get out your space. But I want you to understand what praise is. Are y'all ready to learn what praise is? 
biblical praise, biblical praise. And you'll see this in this house when you come into this house. You'll see this in other places, but particularly in this house when you come into this house. I want you to see what praise is. Here's the first word that I want you to write down if you know, take it. Write down the word hala. Say that. Say hala. Say that. Hala. That word hala often is often the word halil. It is, it is uh, in, in a different context as a verb structure is halil, but it is, it is the root word, root structure hala. It is this idea of boasting or bragging. It means to boast or it means to brag. Another definition of hala means to shine the light on. This is what God is saying. What God is saying is that one of the ways that you praise me is that you have to prepare yourself to boast about me. Shine the light on me. That's what, that's what hala means. But it's not just about bragging about God. When I say bragging about God, God is good and God blessed me with this. And this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the grace of God and for the blessing of God. People will take that and say, wow, I have halaled God or halaled God. That is not necessarily what halal means. Halal does not just mean to boast and brag. Halal means to boast and brag in a spontaneous moment. That's what halal means. So it is the spontaneous response to something that God has done in your life. That's what halal means. So halal is linking to your personality more than it's linked to any other, more than any other praise is linked to your personality. Halal allows you to be who you are and still give God praise. Have you ever been in a situation where we demand that you do what everybody else is doing in the house in order to give God praise? You ain't praising him if you ain't jumping. You ain't praising him if you're not dancing. You ain't praising him if you're not screaming. You ain't praising. We do that all the time. Hala allows you to praise God within the context of your personality, which allows it to happen. Watch this in in the moment in which God praises you. It is the kind of uh, uh, expression of gratitude that is like being at a ball game when you're at a ball game and your favorite athlete does something you flip and you celebrate the good thing that they done in the that they did in the moment now you don't really have a whole lot of say so on what that looks like you might scream that LeBron did it or you might throw your popcorn in the air that LeBron did it or you might spill your beer on the or your your soda you might spill your soda on the person that's out in front of you. You might, you might slap high fives with somebody that you don't know. You might give somebody a big bear hug and celebrate the good thing that happened down. And it's all within the personality of the person that is doing the high or the high line. This is the way God is expecting you and I to live a life of praise. Is that to holla is to give God praise in the moment. Somebody shout in the moment. That means that every time you recognize God has done something for you, he expects you to give him a praise. You better hear what I'm saying. That's why people that are walking with God, we are praisers all the time. Because when he blesses me at work, I might not do the holy dance that I do in church, but I can still say, God, I thank you for the increase. When I'm driving, I can say, God, you bless me and you are. God says, if I did it, you need to give me my praise for it. I, 
I need somebody that, that knows how to give God a praise in the moment that he praises. I don't have to wait to get to church to bless him. I don't have to wait till the organ's behind me to bless him. When he blesses me on the court, I give him praise. When he blesses me in the house, thank you, Jesus. When he blesses you at the job, look at you, God. Bless you. That is to highlight God. Has God been good to anybody in this place? That's what he means to highlight. Give me a second. That's what it means to highlight God. It means to, I don't have to wait to say thank you. Now, now that, that is within the, the confines of your personality. And sometimes when you walk into the house of God, people start to realize part of my job is not just to teach you about God. It's to remind you about how, God, how good God has been in your life. I will reveal the way that God has blessed you in ways that you wasn't thinking it was a blessing while you was going through through it is that the Bible says that even though I go through the shadow of death I don't have to fear evil we have been taught to focus on the shadow and the death but my job is to remind you but you didn't have to be scared in the process uh, are you hearing what I'm saying and there's something about going through a difficult time knowing that there's going to be a positive outcome through this difficult season that allows you to go through the tough season with a little bit more joy than you would have went through it had you not been told by your pastor your prophet your teacher that God was working on your behalf sometimes that happens in church and when that happens people will do what we call a quickening we will come alive in our spirit and we'll just all of a sudden holla God and you might not like the fact that I'm hollering God but it's just me giving him his praise I'm sorry y'all that because I realized in the moment of the preacher that that testified with my soul that God has been good to me and it was in the moment of my personality that I lifted my hands or that I raised my voice or that I stood up or that I clapped my hands. And it's also okay if I sit in my seat, if I say thank you, God, if I say it to myself. That's holla. Somebody shout holla. The second way is, 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 is what we call yada. Somebody shout yada. Shout yada. Yada is to extend your hands. It is to extend your hands. That's what yada means. Now, we see that more oftentimes in, in churches when you walk in, you'll see people with their hands in the air. You'll see people with their hands lifted up before God. Now, I personally fought the hip-hop culture for why everybody puts their hands in the air because we the ones that told y'all when we come in and become the hype man for church service, everybody in the house, put your hands in the air and give God praise. I mean, and that's why we all throw our hands up like we, you know, at the Jay-Z concert. And I'm not saying that you should not celebrate God and it's not okay to have your hands up in the air but I do want you to understand that there is a difference between the way we throw our hands up high in the air and the heart of the believer when he or she is giving praise to God do you want that difference this is important that you get this is that the Bible teaches us something about the about the heart of the person who is Yada in God Yada is not necessarily connected to you or I or to any adult the idea of Yada is connected to a newborn that is being born when a newborn is being born aside from screaming one of the things a newborn will do is a newborn begins to extend its hands it extends its hands if you're in the Middle Eastern culture right now you'll notice that they just 
generally don't do this when they worship. Whatever religion, major religion they're in, is generally not this. It's generally centered like this or like this. It is an extension of the hands. When a friend comes in the Middle East, it's an extension of the hands. Watch this. When there is pain and when there is suffering, it's an extension of the hands. It's not this. This is not this. It's an extension of the hands. Now, why, pastor, are you telling me in California, in America, about Middle Eastern culture? Because the Bible wasn't written in American. It wasn't written to Americans. It was written from a Middle Eastern concept and context. So you have to think Middle Eastern in order to understand what you see. And God, in his wisdom, said that I like this culture and the way that they express spirituality. And I want you to take the yada because what your baby is doing when it comes out crying there is a sense that I am no longer in a comfortable place. I'm no longer in the cocoon of the safety where I got my food and where I knew my limits of how to move. I am now in a new space where I, I need something or somebody to give me some comfort in the middle of this new thing that I'm in. And the baby doesn't come out doing this. The baby comes out screaming like this. And as they scream, the idea is that the comforter would be the thing that created it and the thing that created it would be the comforter and ease the hands of the wailing and crying child so now the Bible tells us to suffer not the little children why don't we suffer the, not the little children because they but I got my degrees and God you're going to have to work through my degree structure they don't come to me saying but God I'm ranked and you've got to work through my rank at my job they don't come to me saying God I'm rich and you're going to have to use my money to help me get out of this that's not the idea that's not praise to God that's praise to your degree that's praise to your money what y'all dying God means is God I'm coming to you like a child and when I lift up my hands in the sanctuary I'm telling you that if you don't grab me, I'm going to be lost. And if you don't snatch me, I'm going to be, y'all not talking back to me. If you don't comfort me, I'll be all alone in this crazy world. So God, I need you to pick me up and give me some comfort. The only kind of comfort that you can bring. Watch what the psalmist says. He says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and yada the Lord. Don't bring your attitude to God that God, I don't need you. Don't bring your attitude to God that I'm doing you a favor by being at church it doesn't work like that God says to lift up your hands and show the world that if it had not been for the Lord that was on my y'all not talking back to me I wish I had some help in here I need you to touch your neighbor real quick and say lift up your hands with me he says, Yada, it is to praise when you see people in the Bible. Now, that's no fault for people that lift their hands. I'm not telling you don't lift your hands. You can do, but, you know, it's okay. But the idea is that worship would look like this instead of like this, Yada. The third one I want to give you is, is uh, Tahila. Somebody shout Tahila. Say that again. Say Tahila. Tahila means to sing. Somebody shout sing. Somebody shout sing. He says, watch this. He says, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one in the 
sings. To sing is very germane to every community, culture, and conversation. When people are excited, when people are celebrating, when people are enjoying, we sing. And that's why we are grateful to have the opportunity to sing praises to God. When you come to this house and this church, this is one of the reasons why it's not that I don't love music that touches your pain. I just want to make sure that we that we sing songs that are touching God more than we're singing songs that touch your pain. Y'all not talking back to me in here. I know you want to cry during the worship and I know you want to be sad during the worship and you want somebody to get to that sadness and sometimes a good song can get to your sadness but more than just getting to the sadness we need to sing music to God. We need to sing music that uplifts God. So I asked the worship team to sing songs that talk about how great God is. Sing songs that talk about how he'll never leave us or forsake us. Sing songs that don't just repeat and modulate it. Even though I'd love me some repeat and modulation, but you've got to say something to God because praise is saying, God, you're wonderful and God, you're holy and God, you're necessary and God, I need you and God, and we have to sing those kinds of songs so much to the degree that I tell them to put them up on the screen so that you can sing songs to God as well because singing songs to God is not about the worship team singing because what church has taught us is that I come into the house of the Lord and I watch people on stage sing this ain't no concert you didn't pay your ticket you, are you hearing what I'm saying your, your offering is not your admission fee into the house of the Lord you've got to come into this house and remember that they are worship leaders not concert venue hall people they are worship leaders they are to lead us in worship which means that it is fitting for you to come into the house of the Lord and with your crazy messed up off key voice sing something unto the Lord because God did not require you to be on key he didn't require you to be in tone but he did say that if you're going to praise me you got to raise up your voice and sing a song of Zion to me I wish I had some help in here but pastor they judge me because I be off key you didn't come here for, to you, for you to respond to their judgment you came here to give God the praise that he asked you for and if you can lose the judgment you can gain the victory y'all are not talking back to me that's why maybe you need to find somebody else to sit next to when you come into the house of the Lord somebody we might not be in rhythm but we on one accord y'all are not talking back to me you can be in written not be off rhythm and still be on one accord with God because God said that I want people singing to me and it's really interesting because as you read the scripture he says that you that you are the one Israel praises but the literal translation says you're the one that, that, that Israel sings. You are the one that Israel sings, which means that it's not just about singing songs to God. This infers that God is the song. Boy, y'all missed that. You missed that. You missed that. You missed that. This infers that God is the song that you sing. He, I'm not just giving him something. I'm giving him himself boy I'm gonna help you I'm gonna help you see you got to understand how it operates with God is that what God does is that you can't give anything to God that God doesn't give you first because God is the giver of all things God I'm preaching in here you can't give God anything your money you didn't get your money without God giving you your money so what you're doing is you're not giving God your stuff you're giving him his stuff 
Uh huh. You're not giving God your praise. You're giving him back his praise. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When God teaches us how to praise, he expects us to give back to him what he gave to us to give to him. Because the issue is, uh, God, the issue is if I put it in your hand, do you trust me enough to get it out of your hand and put it back into my hands? So when he says that I am the song, they are saying that I put the song in the belly of your heart, the song in the recesses of your spirit. It is the thing that will set you free will you give me back what I gave you and I've gave you a song somebody shout I got a song that's what he gave us he gave us a song he says that you'll be enthroned in fact the scripture says that God sings over all of Israel he said he just sings in other words he says I release myself over my people mm-hmm Tahila. So you'll come into the house of the Lord and you'll say, why is everybody singing? Or you'll say, why in the world is Elder Lou giving me the microphone? You sing. That's why I'm here for, for you to sing. Don't be doing this talking about we should sing. No, we should be singing. And I don't want to learn new songs. But I don't want to learn new things. That's why we put them up on the screen so you can participate because the generation is shift. Number five. Are we at number five? Number four. Let's go to number four. Number four is Zamar. Somebody shout Zamar. It means to pluck strings and to make music. It means to pluck strings and to make music. They all make all that music in the church. They sing. They make all this music. They do all this stuff. In the book of Chronicles, the Bible says, watch this, that they prophesied with their music. You missed that. You missed that. The scripture says, the scripture didn't say they just made rhythms for people to dance with, but they prophesied with the music that there is a song that can be sang and a music chord that can be played that will literally help you receive the word that God has been speaking into your life in a way that you could not have received it without the music. Are you following what I'm saying? See, music is so powerful that we teach in music. Most of us learned our ABCs by singing it. Y'all ain't talking back to me in here. Don't try to act like y'all genius, but you still learn the ABCs by singing it, by putting rhythms to it. Many of us, uh, many of us grew up where, where <laughs> we grew up in the era that they didn't have children's, I, I grew up where they didn't have children's aspirin. You just took a grown person's aspirin or you were sick. It was one of those two things. Like they, so what, what your mother would do is she would chop the aspirin in half. Any of y'all mamas like that? Chop the aspirin in half. But because you were three, because you were four, they didn't trust you swallowing. So what they would do is they would get like your little apple juice that they know you're going to like. And they crush the aspirin. And they scoop the aspirin and put it in your orange juice or your apple juice and stir it up and they would give it to you. That's what the, that's, and then the, the child would drink it, not realizing that they are also inhaling the medication. That is the power of music. Is that the word of God that might challenge you, that might speak to you, that you can't digest and swallow. God says that I'm going to put it in music. Y'all are not talking back to me. And music will crush my word up, but it'll put it in something that you'll take. And before you realize it, you'll be at home bopping and dancing the things that is delivering your soul. 
I wish I had some help in here. See, yeah, we take for granted what's happening here on this stage because we think that they're here for us and they're not here just to just to uh, entertain us. They have a prophetic job to do when they are introduced into a service. They are the way that you ingest the songs of Zion, the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and you walk out of here singing songs that will set you free and not realize that the way that I'm inhaling this is through the Zamar through that kind of praise are you hearing what I just said through that kind of praise all right here's four and five here's number five I want you to take number five number five is uh am I doing that right there we go number five and six is Toda say Toda and Shabak shout Shabak is this helping anybody this morning shout Toda shout Shabak alright this is important because both of these mean to shout they both mean to address loud to shout loudly now they, they are the same word translated but they do have two different functions to, to, to speak loudly is to Toda which when you walk into a church service you hear someone declaring loudly or they're praying loudly or they guy like me who talks loudly very expressive that is to dying I am declaring the word of God it is the declaration that thus saith the Lord and this would be a historic context particularly in the Old Testament because they didn't have megaphones and microphones and all that kind of stuff so when thousands of people would come into a room they would try to create the room as as sound uh, friendly as possible but whoever was orating would have to open up their mouth and to die and speak loudly so that everyone could hear the word of the Lord so it is in the scripture that we are expressive it is in the scripture that we are able to, to speak loudly it is in the scripture that it's solid for us to raise our voice to give inference and to give terse and to give tense to the way that we discuss and present and give the word of God that is todah and that is not out of order for you to walk and say man why are they screaming and making all that noise at church because they are working within the confines of the personality that God gave them to deliver something that you can receive are you following me somebody shout todah shabak is the other word that means to address loudly it means to say something loudly now shabak is very interesting it's very different than todah todah is oftentimes very legible it is understood it is well thought out to todah shabak does not necessarily have to be well thought out shabak doesn't necessarily have to be something that is easily understood to shabak is a loud voice that may or may not be something that can be interpreted to be to be to be uh, uh, understood what why you made that loud noise it is the it is the the space where God allows within your praise the ability for you to to express emotion in praise is the thing that allows you to dig a deep hurt from within the gut of your belly and your spirit and unearth something that has been lodged in it's the kind of shrill or the kind of scream or the kind of holler that's associated with the ugly cry it's the kind of it's I don't know how many y'all had a good ugly cry lately like a lot of us like we're too sophisticated to cry but there's something different than the cry that says, you know, oh, Lord, they gave me the cancer, uh, uh, the diagnosis of cancer, and you have that little tear come down your eye, and every of us give you the big hug, and we tell you God's going to deliver you, and God's going to heal you, and 
Oftentimes as believers, we think that with that hug and that quick prayer, we're done. But that person goes home after they give you that little cry and they go home and when they by themselves, they start to think about their life and think about their children and think about what they gave and think about what's being taken away. And they start to think about the struggle and the journey of what it's going to mean to be on radiation and to be on chemotherapy. They have to think about who they're going to tell and who they're not going to tell. And in that moment, that little cute cry turns into the ugly cry because the weight of the issue that they're going through is starting to impact itself down in the recesses of a have you ever been in a situation that just weighed on your spirit so much that you couldn't sleep at night you didn't eat good you didn't focus well at work it caused you to just moan I mean it felt like a physical burden on your body I'm not talking to everybody I'm just talking about I'm talking to some people that have been so hurt in their life that hurt feels like it's real it feels like it's on the an emotion is just weighing down moving you into a depressive state that's not the little cute cry when you start to touch on that it starts to dig deeper inside of who you are and what Shabbat allows you to do it allows you to take your spiritual shovel and get underneath the root of the pain that's in your spirit and as you start to lift it by the Holy Ghost it comes out with a shrill the Bible says that Satan was expelled out of heaven with a loud shrill and it looked like lightning when you Shabbat the Lord it's a it's a shout that releases the pressure of the pain in your spirit am I talking to anybody that's ever had to just cry the God you've got to do this kind of cry the kind of cry that make you roll on the ground and wild and wild out in your private space it's pulling out the pain it looks crazy to us here at church but if you've ever been in pain you know that I empathize with that kind of cry when I hear it I'm not talking I wish I had some help in this place Shabbat allows you to shout it out y'all are not talking back to me when we say raise your voice and give the Lord a shout we mean take out your shovel and get down in there and pull it out with your praise I need about 50 folk to raise your voice and Shabbat the Lord that's what it means somebody I said Shabbat the Lord in this house and as I I cry it out the burden starts to unloose its grip am I talking to anybody in here as I shout it out the burden starts to lose its power in my spirit am I preaching to anybody in the balcony as I shout it out y'all ain't talking back to me this is why they say you crazy they don't know that that you're not crazy I just got some stuff in my spirit that has to come out and the only way it gets out is not with the patty cake nice little tear cry this kind of pain requires a shabak out of my belly that's why the Bible says shout unto the Lord and for whatever reason for whatever reason let me tell you how praise works for whatever reason even though the cancer don't go away after that cry you feel like I'm ready to take it on now Y'all ain't talking back to me. After that shout, you feel like I'm going to be all right. Am I talking to anybody in here? understand about praise is that we can still be in the mess but believe that we're going to get past the mess because God gave me a praise to put on the mess. 
somebody support the Lord. space to get it all out y'all ain't talking back to me he said I'm gonna give you the space to unearth hurt I'm gonna give you the space to tell hurt it can't reside here I'm gonna give you the space to tell hurt it's time for you to come out I'm gonna give you the space and God what kind of praise can I give you to get out the pain he said I'm gonna give you the Shabbat to get the pain out the Bible says that when they walked around Jericho on the seventh time he said I want you to Shabbat me I want you to raise your voice and shout and the barrier between where you are and the place you want access to is going to come down. I need somebody in this house that needs access to healing, access to deliverance, access to break. So when you invite your friends to church, you better know what to tell them. When you tell them to come on in, say sometimes we, do, we, we release what's down in our spirit because I can't go through this life with this hanging on my soul. I can't be a good wife with this hanging on my soul. I can't be a good leader with this hanging on my soul. So every now and then, I gotta pull out my holy shovel and I gotta get it out. I just want y'all to know it's in your Bible. It's in your Bible. Y'all have a seat. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. I just want you to know it's in your Bible. And you'll see it when you come to this church. The final thing, the final praise is hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. What did we miss? Did we skip one? Uh-oh. We skipped Barack. Let's, yeah, we can do that. Let's do Barack. To Barack something is to bless something. All right? To Barack something is to bless something. Now, this is, this is what, the, like, the devil, he don't get this real good. To, to Barack something is to bless something. And to bless is to give God a praise. But Barack is an interesting word because Barack in Scripture doesn't show up in, in moments of deliverance. Barack shows up in moments of brokenness. That's an interesting way to have to be asked to praise God. Is that Barack very rarely in the scripture shows up when, thing, when God has delivered you. Barack usually doesn't show up in scripture when, when, when God has set you free. Barack shows up in scripture when you're in the middle of your stuff. Barack shows up in the middle when it seems like the devil's winning. Barack shows up in the middle when it seems like God expects there to be a Barack when it seems like you're about to lose everything you fought for. God sends a bar. He says, you know what I need you to give me right now in the middle of your tears? I need you to find a way to Barack me. And Barack means to bless. Somebody shout bless. He says, I need you to be able to tell yourself that there's a difference between me and your problem. 
God, help me in this place. He said, I need you to understand that there is a God that is in the middle of the darkness with you. And you will not misconstrue me with the darkness that you in. So I need you to Barak me. It was after God started to, to take everything away from Job that God looked down at Job and said, Job, what are you going to give me in the middle of your brokenness? <laughs> God, God is the only kind of God that will take everything from you and then ask you what you're going to give me. He said, he said, I took your wife and I took your kids. I took everything away from you. I took your wealth and I took your home. What are you going to give me now? He said, I don't have no more money to put in the offering, God. I don't have any more children to put at the altar, God. He said, but there's something down inside of you that you can give me. And it'll release you from the pain that you're in. He says, I need you to find a way to praise me. Even though I'm not doing what you told me, what you believe I should be doing. I need you to praise me. Even though I took your children, I need you to praise me. Even though I snatched your money. And Job started to think about this thing. And he said, naked, I came from my mother's womb. And naked, I'm going to depart from this earth. The Lord has given and the Lord taketh away. Blessed Barak be the Yalat. I need somebody in this house to raise your voice in the middle of what you're going through and find a way. Find a way to bless God. Now give him a praise. Blessed be the name of the Lord. They took my car. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I got to move. Blessed be the name of the Lord. These are hand-me-downs. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Though they slay me, yet will I. by your money. He thought he could control you by your man. He thought he could control you by who said you was good. He thought he could control you by behavior. But God said that I've got a person who is not controlled by stuff. They're going to give me praise if you take all this. Somebody shout for all. All right. This is the last one for real. I'm glad I went back to Barack. Yeah. Because, uh, because to me, Barack separates the saints from the ain'ts. Because anybody can praise when things are going good. But the issue is what kind of relationship are we in? Are you going to nestle in and say we're going to make it anyhow? Are you going to cut for the door because things get a little tough? Barack says, God, I'm with you and you're with me and I'm not going to give up on you because you're not going to give up on me and if they take it all I've got you and as long as I've got God I've got everything that I'll need somebody shout Barack it means to bless yeah. every now and then you need to look at your situation and say God be on this every now and then you need to look at your neighbor and say God be on you you hate me but God be with you you're not rooting for me, but God be with you. You hope I fail, but God be with you. Because, oh, God help me in this place. You wish it didn't go my way, right, but God be with you. Because just like Joe, if I can bless him when it's tough, he's going to give me double. Oh, for my. I need some double blessed folks to raise their voice in this house and give God a praise. Yeah, 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 
time, you just gotta expect a blessing. You gotta expect in darkness that you gonna find something. God, help me in this place. You gotta expect in darkness that you gonna find something. When you can't see, there's a door somewhere. When you can't find your way, there's a path somewhere. I might not be on it, but it's out here somewhere because faith, y'all ain't talking back to me. Faith says that there's a way out. Y'all sit down. Okay, here's the last one. Here's the last one. My God. Somebody shout Barack. Here's the last one. Hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Now, hallelujah is very different than all the rest. It, is, it, it, means, it means to boast about God to God. That's what it means. It means to boast about God to God. Hale. It's built off the same word as hala, hallel, to boast. But it leaves Yah at the end. Hallelujah. Yah means God. It is the proper name for God. Yahweh means God. Boast and brag about Yahweh. Boast and brag about God. But it's to boast and brag about God to God. So a hallelujah is an interesting word because of all of these words, we use hallelujah the most, but it's the least written word for praise in the Bible if I recall it's only in the Bible about eight times the rest of them fill up the whole Psalms fill up the entire Old Testament but hallelujah is only in there just a little bit watch what the Bible says it says it says praise the Lord the end of Psalm 150 hallelujah <laughs> watch what he tells he says, I want you to do it with instruments. I want you to do it with shouting. I want you to do it with the dance. I want you to do it. And dance was considered part of the instrumentation. He says, I want you to do it. He said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. But God, you just told me all these praises to give. Why now hallelujah? He said, because hallelujah is the most personal praises that you can give. Because, because what hallelujah tells God is it says that this it's not me flow showing for a church. This is not me. You know how you get up and you give your testimony about how God blessed you and, I, you know, and my, my, my toes were crooked and God healed my toes and now my toes are straight and I give God the praise for straight toes and he's the straight toes God, you know, and the, yes, he is. And you know how you do all that. <laughs> you do all that stuff. It's okay to laugh. It's true. You know, you do all that. that he's, he's a good God like that and we praise God for all these kinds of things. And half the time while we're giving testimonies, it's not just to give God his boasting, but it's also to let people know that, that you're better. So it's kind of for God, kind of for you. You know, we tell the testimony, you know, God bless me and I got a million dollars in the bank now and now you're super happy. And it was kind of like I did praise God for giving me the million, but at the same time, I'm letting y'all know I got a million. You know how y'all do that. You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting that we never give testimonies that I'm, I'm just being sustained in it right now. We never get up and say, you know what? Let me bless y'all. I want to tell y'all how good God is right now. You know, I'm still kind of jacked up. My house still ain't mine. You know, they're coming to get my car right now. My money's acting funny. And I just want to testify that I'm still here. Y'all know nobody ever testifies that. We don't ever testify. I just, I'm still making it. I don't know how I'm making it, but I give glory to God because I'm still making it. I'm here. I'm here. 
And that's, you know, we don't give God that. We don't give that testimony. The testimony is always to let the world know that we overcame. And on one hand, God does get the glory because we're able to tell the world that God is the kind of God that overcomes. But let us not be fooled that it also is our testimony to remind the world that, hey, I'm an overcomer. And there is a little bit of shining of the light that goes on you and on God. And however you want to shape that up, the scripture shows God ain't like mad at that. But hallelujah is very different because hallelujah, a hallelujah is technically not done in public. According to scripture, hallelujah is almost like it's the end of the sentence in which you are not talking to people about God. You're talking to God about God. It is the private conversation where you tell God, you did that one. Boy, you did that one. It's that conversation where you say, God, I don't want to know. I just want you to know that I know you were something special in that one. Yeah, because, because I didn't tell everybody my, what, what I did to get there. I just told them that I'm out. And you know the whole story. And you did that thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> this, this, praise, this praise is not for everybody to share and I don't want to share hallelujah God this is a but you know God you know I spent all the money and you know you know I'm wearing every dime of the and some kind of way I made rent this month hallelujah God that, that's what hallelujah is and, and it's the private kind of gratitude it's the kind of gratitude where he don't pull you up on stage and show you off to everybody and tell you how amazing you are and then never tell you at home it's not that kind of praise it's the kind of praise that say baby this one ain't for them to know I just want you to know we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you and, and there is something about knowing what somebody else knows that really makes it no matter what everybody else knows. But you mean so much to me that as long as you know that you would not be here if it was not for me, that's all that I need. I could care less that everybody else knows, but I'm grateful that you know what I know. Hallelujah is you telling God, I know that it was you that did it. And if it was not for you on my side, I don't know where I would be. And this is not for them to celebrate. This is my personal party with you, God, that you are the one that delivered me. You were the one that put my mind straight. You were the one that pulled me out of depression. You were the one that covered my sin. You are the one that saw me when I didn't see myself. Hallelujah. God, help me in this place. I need somebody in this house that's willing to just whisper to God real quick. Hallelujah. You ain't got to tell me what it was. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord it ain't on Instagram and on Facebook. Hallelujah. But you know, hallelujah. I need some hallelujah saints in this house. Hallelujah. I stand to your feet. Praise. Somebody shout praise. These are the eight ways that God authorizes praise in the Bible. And if praise doesn't fit one of these eight categories, it ain't praise. I don't care what you do. I don't care what culture it is. I don't care why you do it. It's not praise. Boy, pastor, you made me throw my shoe at you. That ain't praise. That's craziness. And people gonna walk in your church and be like, why are you ducking shoes in their house? 
Well, that's the way they praise the Lord. God is like, no, it ain't. God's like, there's nothing in this book that talks about <laughs> that I've received that as praise. How much stuff have you seen? <laughs> How much stuff have you seen? Especially some of us that grew up charismatic. How much craziness have you seen? And you're like, I got to do this every time God do something good to me. I got I to gotta turn around five times. And I got to high five nine people. And I got to da 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 And my towel got to be gold. And my ring got to be this. And I got to wear a collar for that. And I got to, in order to give God praise. And there's something different about people that praise God with no earrings on. And people that praise God with earrings. And there's a special anointing for the double earring sanctified folks. And if you got two earrings, then you super sanctified. But God can't use you with a ring in your nose now. So don't do it now don't mean that kind of ring that's out the scripture <laughs> you know how we are y'all y'all not hearing what I'm saying people are looking for God but they don't understand that craziness and God says that it won't be crazy <laughs> because every every praise that God told us to do starts in here and comes out this way Watch, watch your babies, watch your babies, watch your grandchildren, watch them, watch them. They're going to sing, they're going to cool, they're going to read, they're going to spontaneously have joy for no reason at all. I want you to see praises in you. You came into the earth with the proper way to praise God. Everything else is just religion and church. It's just religion and church. And some people do it louder than others. Some people do it more than others. Some people do it longer than others. Some people just kind of, you know. So, but it's in the book. You'll see that in this house. Now you know how to explain this to other people. That we are a Bible-praising, Bible-believing church. And we have lots of fun. We have lots of fun. Because that's in the word of the Lord too. I want you to grab a friend next week. I want you to bring him to the house of the Lord. I want you to explain to him, hey man, I want you to come because I know y'all want to touch God and meet God, but I don't want to let it be, you know, I don't want you to not know what's, what's happening. I don't want you to not know what you're singing. I'm going to help you understand like this is a really cool Bible-believing church because I believe that God wants to fill this house with people like you, with people like you, not very different than you, people like you. I, I believe God wants to fill this house and other church houses across. He wants to build this church and help the generations find rhythm with each other so that the passing of the baton can be smooth. Can be smooth. Because like it or love it, or even hate it, some 19-year-old is going to be a pastor one day. Some 17-year-old is going to be a deaconess one day. I get to love it. You might not dig what they're doing now, but you better figure out how to get involved in their journey. Because that's, that's who you got to give it over to. <laughs> Amen? 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 So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're going to leave this place in a few moments, but I do want to bless you and thank you for the word of God. I want to thank you for the power of you. Father, I do want to honor you because now we know and we'll give you we'll give you what you've asked for we'll give you what you asked for 
We'll give you what blesses you. We'll put blessing back at your floor. That you would receive what we offer. Because God, I don't want to do anything. Put a whole bunch of effort into something that you won't receive.